Welcome in to episode 35 of the Woopig Weekly Podcast, your weekly source for all things Arkansas Razorbacks. Episode 35 is brought to you by University Traditions. Go check out their several hat designs that they have in the Fayetteville Collection, and don't forget you can use promo code VSN15 to receive 15% off of your order, thanks to Variety Sports Network. So go check them out today. And we'll dive into Arkansas football news as, you know, we're middle of the summer getting closer every day to fall camp and getting ready for a kickoff. And, you know, Arkansas got some good news over this past weekend with two commitments, and these were highly rated four-star commitments. I think one of the biggest ones is Arkansas landed in-state four-star running back, Braylon Russell. He's a 6'2", 230-pound running back. His junior season, he rushed for 240 times for 1,685 yards and 26 touchdowns and also caught 22 passes for 224 yards and one touchdown. So, you know, a big-time commit, not only being an in-state kid, but also at that running back position. It seems like more and more Arkansas seems to keep trying to uphold that, you know, or take control of that running back U title here with, you know, the running backs we've had in the past few years. So what do you think about that, Seth? I was excited to see this. I I think there was some questions kind of up in the air on if he actually was going to commit. There was talks both ways realistically. So it's, it's good for everything to be official. Um, and, you know, just kind of like we were talking to Coach Nutt last week, you have to keep your top in-state talent in the state. Um, so I was excited to see this news. Um, the one, one thing that kind of sticks out to me just from his stats is, I mean, he was averaging about 10 yards per catch on the, on the, passes he caught which that's that's pretty good numbers for a running back and um so just him being able to be used in that part of the offense as well just that that potential that that brings is obviously um beneficial in college for sure so having good hands and then obviously you know kind of being that that workhorse through high school type back I mean there's I don't see a whole lot of downside Six two, two thirty 230 pounds and he's still in high school that's a that's a big dude yeah and if you you sit down and do the math you know, on his, his rushing yards, he averaged about seven yards per carry. Can't beat those stats, man. Especially, yeah, like with that build that he's got, six two through 30, that, that's the type of build that you want that's going to be able to hold up in the SEC and, you know, take those tackles, beatings week in, week out that, you know, just like like you mentioned, Coach Nutt mentioned last week, it's about a week in, week out, try, keeping guys healthy. So if he – you got to be built, you know – solid to be able to you know make it through a full season yeah that's very true uh just some of the successful running backs that we've had over the years past i mean we've had some smaller backs off and on um some speedsters um it just seems like the kind of your point the health sometimes always is a factor um and just just being able to take the the bruising that you always get week in and week out you know some of our best backs have kind of been bigger guys. So I'm excited to get him on the Hill, um, you know, four-star talent, consistent four-star talent that we, that we're seeing in the, in our recruiting lately is just, it's, it's definitely exciting. Cause I don't, I don't remember a lot of that growing up having, you know, five, six, seven, eight, four-star guys all in one class at a time. Like we've kind of seen the last couple of years. So that's, that's really exciting. 
Yeah, that's true. And, and you know, it didn't stop there. Arkansas also got a commitment from four-star DB Selman Bridges over the weekend. He's a DB out of Texas, I believe, that he's 6'3", 170, finished his junior season with 46 tackles, two interceptions, one of those being a pick six. So, you know, Coach Pittman still hitting that, that DB position hard. You know, that's always, in my opinion, I felt like been a weak spot for Arkansas. You know, just they're not typically a great DB team. And, I mean, we've had some great individual players over the season, but never as a whole. Our secondary has always, in my opinion, been one of our weaker points. And I think you see Coach Pittman addressing it here, especially landing this four-star Selman Bridges here. Yeah, you, you stack him up with some of the transfers that we've been able to bring in. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll probably try to hit the transfer portal before the 2024 season as well to fill any needs that we can. And I, I just – Kind of to your point, I just feel like we're going to be deeper than we've ever been um, with a little bit more talent all the way down the depth chart than we've ever had. So uh, it just seems like they're doing a really good job trying to take the p- puzzle pieces and fit them all together um, across the board on offense and across the board on defense. I mean, we've got some outstanding linemen, outstanding linebackers, um, just hoping all these puzzle pieces kind of fit together at the right time. We could have a couple of really good back-to-back years, I think, in 2023 season and then in 2024 season, as we talked about the schedule and everything being somewhat favorable, um, not having to play Alabama or Georgia in our first year of the the SEC game shakeup, if that makes sense. Still have some tough games, but going to be some really exciting games um, with, with, I think, a lot of potential to have a 9-10 win season if it's in the cards. I mean, there, there's a lot of factors that, that are going to go into play for that, but it just seems like the potential is there for kind of all the pieces to line up at the right time. And it's, it's been a little bit since we've kind of felt that way, in my opinion. I agree with that. And, and it's like, you hit it on the the nail on the head earlier where, you know, it's been a while since Arkansas has consistently got some of these top talent guys here, you know, on a consistent basis. And, you know, with the addition of these two four-star commits, Arkansas's recruiting class is now up to 17th in the country. And that's per two, 247 sports and Arkansas currently has nine four stars committed for next season, you know, and I know they're probably not done with the recruiting class yet, but you know, nine, four stars, you know, I would say that's pretty good, especially, you know, with them being various positions, you know, we got D linemen, you got, you know, your running backs, your wide receivers, your DB. So it's not just at, stacked at one spot. They've been spreading that, that four-star wealth all over the, the field and the different positions that he's able to land with those guys. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think expectations need to be real. We're not going to be Georgia and get five, six, five-star, you know, players every year. We're lucky to get one five-star to commit, you know, but being able to get nine, nine or ten four-stars and then coach those guys up, I mean, you remember back years and years ago with Petrino, it always seemed like he would have classes full of three-star players and maybe a couple of four-stars, and, boy, he'd somehow find a way to make them look like four and five-stars, so – that's the one thing you really got to do in the SEC is is get the most out of your talent and out of your players' potential. And, I, you know, I think we've got the coaches in place to make that happen. So nine four-stars to me, man, I, I just – I don't feel like I've ever seen that at Arkansas on a consistent basis like we're starting to see over the last two seasons. 
Yeah, that's true. And it's almost like, you know, Coach Nutt said, you know, we're referring to that conversation, but, you know, that was a lot of good information, good takes from him. But, you know, with a lot of these guys, you have a lot of four-star, five-star guys that come in that are very talented. But like, to your point, you know, you have three-star guys that can work hard enough and look like four- to five-star guys because they have that want to, that drive to play hard. And compared to, you know, some of these guys, not necessarily saying they do it, but guys that come in and kind of rely on their talent to get them – in different spots compared to the hard work that, you know, maybe some of these three stars have to work a little bit harder to get that scholarship spot or get that scholarship offer they're wanting. And so, you know, I think that makes a big difference too. I definitely agree with that for sure. And so now we'll jump over to SEC media days that's going on this week. And coach Pittman took the stage this morning down in Nashville and, you know, we'll cover some points. He some of the key points he hit on this season and the first one up here is that, you know, it's hard to believe me, hard for me to believe this guy's even faster, but Rocket Sanders is up 10 pounds from last season and quoted per Sam Pittman faster than ever. So, you know, he's a pretty fast guy as it is. And for him to add that additional weight to, you know, like we mentioned, it'll help him stay healthier, get that little bit more build, you know, for him to be, just as faster or faster than ever, you know, that that's hard for me to believe. So, you know, what do you think that tells you we'll see out of rocket this season? Well, I, if he can stay healthy, I mean, he's obviously a lot of it depends on our offensive line too, but I, I don't see how he's not going to have an, a thousand yard year. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of the ceiling in my mind for, or not, excuse me, the floor in my mind for kind of what his year potential will be. I mean, it could, go up from there significantly obviously it depends on how many carries he shares um there's we've kind of got a full running back room with a lot of talent there um so there, there's going to be some some give and take there just just based on carries um but i he was such a workhorse for us last year and i, I don't know you know we, we kind of talked about it in our conversation with coach nut last week you know, kind of comparing him to uh, Darren McFadden. He's not quite a Darren McFadden where every time he touches the ball, you never know he's going to take it to the house, but he's damn close. I mean, he just is – he's really got an explosive step, first step when he's hitting a hole or something like that. It just – he is really, really talented. Um, I was even seeing Chris um, – I can't remember his last name. I'd have to look it up now. I can't – sorry about that. But anyways, said that – he thinks KJ and Rocket combined are the best QB RB duo in the nation. That's not just the SEC; that's in the nation. And I, I think there's they're finally getting their credit for the hard work they put in. Just hearing that he's up ten pounds and faster than ever, it, it's kind of like you said. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that with how explosive he seemed last year already. Um, I'm, I'm almost flabbergasted to hear that from Pittman today. Um, it's definitely exciting though. Yeah. And the crazy news doesn't stop there. You know, another guy that we've hinted about, you know, off and on in different episodes about, you know, thinking that he might have a breakout year. Another guy that you talk about that, you know, was at media days for representing the defense, Landon Jackson. He is up to 280 pounds after finishing last season at 236, so up nearly 40 pounds. And I was also being clocked running over 20 miles per hour. You know, if I'm a guy on offense, I'm not looking forward to, you know, getting hit by that Mack truck. So, you know, what does that tell you about, you know, what we can maybe see from him on the defensive side of the ball this season? He, he's one person that I've, I've thought about all year long is, is about 
do to have a breakout year. We've talked about it many episodes, so I'm not going to you know go back through all that. But he's the one guy that I really think will be that kind of stepped up leader. Um, obviously, he's been putting up putting in the work in the weight room. I mean, this definitely speaks volumes to our strength and conditioning coaches, and just the the way they're able to kind of get these guys to stack some muscle on. That's a huge jump. 40 pounds across a year, I mean, that that's a big, big jump. And uh, with him, uh, you know, apparently not losing any any speed either, that's just unreal. Um, so definitely going to be looking to see him have some highlight plays. I, I expect him to kind of be that that point guy on, on the defensive line to really set the tone early in games, pinning his ears back, you know, getting to running backs early, second quarterbacks, things like that. I just I think he's going to be one of those guys that sets the tone for us each game and uh, we're going to follow his lead on defense is what my expectation is. Yeah. And don't call me a coach here, but I'd be interested to see, you know, if he's got that speed, like, you know, Pittman's mentioning and we're our defensive coordinator, Travis Williams wanting to have more of an aggressive style approach. I wouldn't mind seeing this guy have one of those D edge kind of rush, you know, standing up kind of moving across the line type roles instead of, you know, putting him down in a, three-point stance and letting him, you know, sure we'll have him bull rush like that some, but, you know, let the man walk around behind the line or, you know, find his point of attack and let him go. No, I completely agree with that. Just I'm excited to see if if they are running a little bit more of a flexible style uh, D-line approach. It's definitely going to be a different look compared to what we've seen over the last couple of years with Odom. So, I really think kind of like I was saying earlier, the, the pieces seem to line up to me in my head. Obviously, on paper, you can sit here and daydream about a lot of things, but the pieces seem to line up for a lot of things to kind of mesh all at the right time from full puzzle pieces go on offense and defense. I mean, I just I, I think the, the back end will be able to hold up better than they ever had before, so you're going to be able to be more flexible with your blitz packages. You're not going to have to – rush three, drop eight near like we did. I just – I don't know. I just think there will be a little bit more opportunity for success just the way our roster shakes out. That's very true. And I, I think, you know, another thing that was said was, you know, we hope to run a little bit more man coverage, which would, you know, allow for a little bit more freedom for on those linebackers to actually have, you know, drawn up, you know, they hit the gaps instead of being kind of that free guy that has, has to hang out over the middle of the field and, you know – drop into coverage so you know I think that allows like that more aggressive approach and you know if our DBs and corners can hold up to that man coverage you know you know that opens up a lot of options that our defense can you know look at next season yeah that's that's exactly my thoughts too and then you can't you can't talk about SEC media days without talking about the man himself KJ you know our leader on and off the field you know Pittman mentioned he's not only the leader on offense but he also you know takes part in being a leader on defense and you know it's great to see a guy that you know is an offensive player but also you know take that leadership ability on the defensive side of the ball and you know I think that just shows how committed to this team he is but you know KJ mentioned today he's excited for this the Enos offense even though it's going to be kind of a slower offense than last season not as much you know bang bang plays you know right back to back with that browse offense but you know, we still expect to have those explosive plays. And KJ feel, said he feels more free as a passer where, you know, he's given that ability to, you know, 
make those reads on the mic linebacker and, and, you know, be able to adjust plays compared to, you know, last year in the Browns offense, you know, you, you kind of have the play drawn up who you're going to beforehand, you know, lets him have a little bit more freedom as a passion. I think that'll allow him to develop more. So I'll be interested to see what happens with KJ this year. Sam Pittman quoted and said, you know, he expects this will be KJ's best year yet. And that's hard to believe after the two stellar years he's had these past two seasons. Yeah, my take on that is definitely um, I think they're going to utilize him as a pocket passer more. And then, you know, he has the the ability to extend plays if needed, but I don't think you're going to have as much um, design runs, which is probably going to be the best thing for KJ as far as his health goes. You're going to have design runs for him. You're going to have them. I just don't think it's going to be to the level that we saw under Kendall Browse, obviously. and with him being able to be a little bit more free, feel feel more free as a passer to to make the reads himself and not have quite as many, you know, you're throwing to this guy or you're throwing it away kind of type play designs or screen passes, really. I think we ran a whole lot of screens, maybe more than we should have with Browse. Some, some of them were successful, I'll give him that. But I, I don't see as many screens with Enos. I think you may see some of the plays that are designed around letting KJ be more free is maybe bringing back that kind of bootleg look that Enos used to run with Brandon Allen that, frankly, Brandon Allen perfected. Um, KJ would be very successful if he, you know, kind of ran that style of look. Also, I think his his legs are good enough to get him outside the pocket if need be and then let him do what he wants to from there. You know, I'm excited for that. You know, we've talked about it a lot before, just the way it seems to me like it's kind of lining up correctly for KJ to – I think he's probably – developed where he can make reads quicker than he ever has been able to before as far as passing lane reads, things like that. Um, and that fits perfectly with the way I think Enos is going to try to play him. So, and I'm, I'm with Pittman. I think he's got the potential to have his best year yet as far as a passer goes. I don't know if you'll have the same rushing stats that he's had the last couple of years that have made him so good and have such good years. Um, I, I think it may be a little bit more skewed towards the, the passing side of things, but I think in the long run, that'll be better for KJ, especially for his health. Yeah, I agree with that. And you also got to look at, too, you know, if, if he's able to perfect and have a better passing game, that's just going to open up the running game for him a lot more because guys aren't going to just having to focus on, oh, they're going to go to KJ, he's just going to run the ball. You know, he can get out there and pass the ball. But, you know, another thing that Pittman said that, you know, I was pleased to hear is he said that KJ's really stepped up his game this offseason, especially as far as really diving in the playbook and, and really watching film and studying. And, you know, it's crazy just because, you know, if you look at the past two seasons, he, he's a really accurate passer on top of he takes care of the ball really well. His touchdown to interception ratio is outstanding. Um, I saw him talking about it on, you know, the media days today. You know, he had the same completion percentage as Will Rogers from Mississippi State last season and, you know, had a significantly better amount of yards per pass or yards per attempt, you know, average than Will Rogers did. And, you know, we all know Will Rogers is a gunslinger down in Mississippi State. So, I think that tells you a lot. So I, I think it just adds the excitement as we're, you know, we're down to, you know, less than two months until season's here. So I think that's just going to be continue to build the excitement for what this team could do this year. I think one thing that not enough people are talking about uh, yet, at least, is the fact that 
you're going to have a lot of teams that are just basing their defensive schemes around the last couple of years where KJ has been um, such a threat to run. They're going to be low in the box early, especially with Rocket in there. Guys like Dominique Johnson, who's ready for fall camp and will be available this season. Um, so that's good news there. Even deeper at the running back position. But anyways, I, I think you'll be able to catch some teams maybe a little bit by surprise. Being able to use KJ more of a, a passing threat, uh, maybe more so than, than a lot of opposing defenses are expecting just based off the last couple of years he's had. Um, so I think there's definitely an opportunity there um, where it could be good, could be bad, just as far as the fact that KJ may be throwing it more than, than some people are expecting. And I think that'll be a good thing. Like you said, his completion percentages have always been solid and he, he's not really known for trying to force the ball into spaces that he shouldn't. Um, so I, I, I think that would be a good thing, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see on that. I think a lot of the question in my mind is just the receivers he's going to throw to who's really going to step up. But I, I think they do have a, a real good opportunity to catch some defenses by surprise, especially early in the season. Just based off of the last couple of years, I think our offense is going to look significantly different and uh, it'll be hard for teams to anticipate, you know, what our offense is going to be for at least a couple of weeks. And that, in my opinion, bodes well for us. Yeah, and especially if you look at it, you know, we LSU earlier in the year when they're typically a game that's later on near the end of the season. So, you know, maybe that's a game we can, you know, the ball bounces just our way. You know, maybe that's a, a game that, you know, we can grab, like, you know, Coach Nutt said, all it takes is, a you know, a couple of things going your way and, you know, you're kind of surprising some folks. But, you know, another aspect you got to look at is, you know, some people may look at it as, oh, well, if our offense is going to be slower, how are we going to score as many points as last season? You know, yeah, it's great to score a lot of points, but you got to look at it this way. If we're running a slower offense, that's going to give our defense more time to rest between, you know, being on the field. Whereas last year, you know, we we come out and run so fast, you know, we'd go three and out pretty quick. And then what do you know, defense is back on the field and they barely had time to rest and they're getting gas. So I think this will be definitely a big help as far as, you know, making sure our defense is rest up if we can get sustained long drives and run a lot of clock off the, you know, run some time off the clock. I think that would be beneficial for our defense as well. Yeah, that depending on kind of how it shakes out, you remember back, you know, the 2015, 2014, 2016 ranges, somewhere in there, we uh, we did have really, really good time of possession numbers. Um, didn't always equate to wins, frankly, but it seemed like it did help. That was some of the better years um, of Brett's career, Brett Bielema's career at Arkansas. Um, and, and we always seem to have really, really good time of possession differentials between uh, against our opponents. And a lot of that was like you were saying, extended drives, being able to run the ball well, you know, get take what the defense was giving us. Um, and even if you come away with just three points or just able to flip the field, if nothing else, you're able to give your defense a break to your point. So that's one thing that, like you said, we haven't had the last couple of years. We've ran so fast. Even if we did get a first down or two, it's it, it still almost felt like we went three and out with how fast it went just from a defensive rest standpoint. So that could be fairly beneficial for us, especially in later games throughout the year, getting the back half of the season. You know, you, you're battling injuries. You may be a little bit thinner at certain positions. You're going to need all the rest you can get in game. So that's, in my mind, a good thing as well. That's very true. 
And, and you hit on this point earlier, you know, Dominic Johnson, he's a guy that, you know, he, he kind of had his breakout season a couple of years ago before, you know, Rocket really took on that main role. Um, he's a guy that, you know, I think is a bigger back, kind of a, more of a goal line type of back, but it, it'll be interesting to have him back in the mix for the season, you know, and then if you start looking at it now, you've got Rocket, you've got AJ Green, who's more of your passing back. You've got Rashad Dominion, a talented freshman that kind of really came on late last season. And now you add Dominic Johnson into that mix, you know, as well. I know we got a very talented freshman running back coming in too. So, you know, not only the added depth, but, you know, all the different variety of types of backs you can be able to throw in your lineup and, you know, catch guys, you know, teams off by surprise or with a different look, you know, I think that's big. And I'm honestly surprised that he's back this season. I think that shows you he knows he can maybe hopefully contribute to this offense. He's a guy that after that second injury last year, I really thought he might look somewhere else for to finish his playing career. So I'm glad to see that he's back and will be ready for fall camp and have that confidence back to contribute to this offense. Yeah, he's such a hard runner. I remember he just he, he was so hard to take down. That was his in my opinion, one of his biggest assets was just the fact that he was able to get so many yards after contact. Um not the fastest guy out there, but a, a bruiser. Definitely punished punished uh linebackers and defensive backs if he was able to get through the line. So I kind of to your point, he, he brings a different dimension to our uh, running back room on top of a plethora of other talented guys, you know, speedsters, hard hitters, things like that. He's just really, really tough back to bring down. I'm hoping he's got a full recovery and is back to kind of what he was. I know it's always kind of a question mark, guys, coming back after injuries, if they're going to be the same player that they were before. But wish him nothing but the best, man. I'm, I'm really hoping to see him have a comeback here. Yeah, agreed. So, you know, we'll keep you updated as we, you know, if we get any more news, as like I said, we're getting closer to fall camp here. And so that's when we'll really start kind of locking down, you know, depth charts, understanding really who's going to be the starters besides the ones that we already know. You know, I, th I think another thing that we'll look at is to see who kind of fills out that starting you know, offensive line, you know, like Seth said, who are we going to exactly have starting at wide receiver? Who's going to be those guys that KJ is going to be throwing to, you know, what's our secondary going to look like? So we'll keep you up to date on all that news as it comes to us and we get into fall camp here in a probably a little over a month, you know, end of August, middle, middle end of August as, you know, fall camp gets fired up, but, you know, we'll keep you up to date. And so now we'll jump over to basketball news where we'll kind of have some really, you know, last bit of news really before football gets kicked off and you know as things kind of quieten down on the basketball front but we have some final numbers for former Arkansas players in the NBA Summer League as that's kind of wrapped up and you know guys will start you know prepping for regular season whether that be with the G League or playing on the teams that they got drafted by so you know final numbers here so we'll start off with our highest drafted player you got Anthony Black for all of his summer league's games, you know, averaged 11 points per game, shooting 46.2% from the field with 16.7% from the three-point line and 54.5% from the free throw line, 8.7 rebounds per game, four assists per game, and two steals per game. So, you know, I think that's very consistent and, you know, decent numbers for him in the summer league. You like to see some of those shooting percentages a little bit better, but, you know, for – you know, just getting started in NBA, I think that's really what you want to see from a, you know, sixth overall pick. I agree. He's a 
thing that jumps off the page to me is obviously the rebounds per game, 8.7 from a shooting guard slash point guard. Pretty pretty respectable numbers that he's attacking the defensive glass and kind of in the right place at the right time. He's got good basketball IQ. That's obvious there. Four assists per game and two steals per game. So, I mean, he, yeah, the shooting could improve, and I'm sure it will. Um, but the intangibles, the hustle, the the game vision, all that stuff, I mean, there's a reason he went sixth overall. Anthony Black is legit. Yeah. And then you jump over to Nick Smith Jr., who, you know, kind of is your juggernaut here, who kind of had up and down summer league. You know, he finished with 15 points per game shooting 44%, 44.1% from the field with 36.4% from the three-point line and 60 point, 60% from the free-throw line, averaged four rebounds a game, three assists per game. You know, this is something that I think, you know, all the fans expected to see this season. And, that you know, this is what you get with a healthy, hand, you know, Nick Smith. You know, look at that three-point percentage. That's something that Arkansas really missed this season. You know, the 36.4%, that – you you can ask for much better than that, you know, and so I think you're getting to really get a good look at, you know, the real Nick Smith and what, you know, the hype was all about him coming out of high school. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's really only going to improve even more than that. I mean, he had especially had one great game um, and then some pretty solid games and a couple of questionable games throughout the summer league. I mean, that's kind of expected. You're going to have some ups and downs there. You're just kind of getting your sea legs under you, but he finished it off, you know, shooting pretty well from the field, shooting pretty well from the three, could improve at the free throw stripe, but, I mean, that's understandable. Um, and then kind of the same way as Anthony, he's getting on the glass, four rebounds per game is nothing to slouch at from a guard position, and then three assists per game is not horrible either, especially considering these guys were only playing, you know, 20, 25 minutes um, per game. So those numbers are not bad at all, and I really think the best of Nick Smith is still to come. I mean, I I've said that a couple different times, but I still think it. <laughs> yeah. And then you move on to a guy that has been quoted multiple sources, multiple sports outlets, news outlets, you know, TV personalities, analysts saying could be the steal of the draft is you're talking about Jordan Walsh. He had 16 average 16 points per game in the summer league, which led all pro hogs in points per game. He shot 43.2% from the field, 40.7% from the three-point line, 83.3% from the free throw line, averaged four rebounds per game, 1.8 assists per game, and one steal per game. You know, as far as shooting-wise, I don't think you can ask for much better numbers than what you got from Jordan Walsh in summer league. Yeah, he did great. I All I saw on a lot of, like, the Boston Celtics fan page stuff that they were posting about him was that they thought he – that excuse me, they thought they got the steal of the draft with Jordan Walsh. Um, The way he played in summer league, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he does make their um, standard roster. I mean, he's – they raved about him just from the draft – before the draft and during the draft, just around his defense. And this is what you and I talked about. You know, his defense is going to be what you draft him for. And then if he's able to develop a pretty good consistent shot, he's really going to be able to carve his – spot on a roster and you're already seeing that he definitely had a good summer league um obviously the competition level in summer league isn't quite the same as your your normal nba roster but what he was able to do in summer league i feel like he's way ahead of the curve on where a lot of people thought he would be at this point just as far as a development goes especially with his three-point shot i thought he 
really had an outstanding summer league. And I, I think he's got a lot of potential with the Celtics to fit right into their system and uh, really give them impactful minutes from day one. And I tell you, looking at those stats, that'd be nice to see back in the Ridgeback uniform next year, but we didn't get that lucky. <laughs> Very true. And so now we'll jump back over to Ricky Council, the fourth, who averaged 10 points per game. He shot 47.9% from the field, 0.6% from the three-point line, 77.5% from the free throw line, four rebounds per game, 1.5 assists per game. And no, Seth, that's not a typo. I said 0.6% from the three-point line. He definitely struggled there. You know, I, I think that's something that, hopefully improves because you know that's not great but I think overall he had a decent summer league and hopefully can capitalize on that two-way contract he got with the 76ers yeah the best thing for Ricky is the fact that he's so explosive um he made several highlight pages and stuff um for the 76ers around some of the highlight dunks he had in the summer league I mean 10 points per game is not bad shooting 47.9 percent from the field is very solid and didn't have a bad free throw percentage either. Um, I, the expectation would just be, hey, don't shoot threes. Only bad part about that is makes you a little bit more of a one-dimensional player. And in nowadays NBA, you got to be able to shoot the three. So kind of curious to see where everything shakes out for Ricky, what he's able to develop on. And then, I mean, just really where he fits in in the 76ers roster. Very likely he stays in the G League, I would expect. But, I, I mean, who knows? Yeah. So now we'll jump over to a few second year players who, you know, are have, you know, got got a year of experience under their belt. You know, guys that, you know, are getting ready to kind of fill into some more roles. And you got to talk about Jalen Williams, you know, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think he's, you know, with the stats he averaged here, I think he's turned into a very consistent role player for the Thunder that, you know, brings a lot of energy and, you know, toughness on the defensive side but also can score a little bit so for this year's summer league he finished it with 8.3 points per game shooting 66.7 percent from the field 20 percent from the three-point line and 80 percent from the free throw line averaged seven rebounds a game 2.5 assists per game one steal per game and one block per game so you know pretty decent numbers for a guy that you you know if you can get that out of him in a regular season game you know you're doing pretty good so i i think he had a pretty good you know, NBA summer league for his second, you know, NBA season getting ready to up and come. Yeah, I I expect him to make their roster for sure. Um just with how the young their team is, they they definitely need guys like Jalen Williams and their other Jalen Williams too. Um he definitely had a in my eyes a really good summer league. He didn't even play as much as I think some people might have expected. I think with the expectation that he's, you know, kind of going to be on their main roster, probably not a, in a starting role, but kind of that that seventh, eighth man kind of role, um, bouncing in and out of the game, probably getting between 10 to 20 minutes a game, just depending on scenarios. But um, with him being able to score the ball as well as he can, especially from three from time to time, he he's a little bit streaky. He gets hot from three and will hit four or five in a row and then maybe miss four or five in a row. But um, he's so fun to watch, man, and the way he can take charges – I saw several different charges taken in summer league just on some of his highlights. And he's just got the one of the best basketball IQs from a big man that you, you see in the NBA. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of guys quite like him. 
Yeah, that's true, and I, and I think it's you you see that, and you know, he's going to be that role player that can come in and give good, consistent minutes off the bench, and you know, hopefully, you know, contribute to some wins for Oklahoma City. And so we'll jump over to Adi Satoni, who averaged four points per game, shooting 100% from the free throw line. You know, 5.3 rebounds per game, two blocks per game, 1.3 assists per game, and 1.3 steals per game. So, you know, another guy that's trying to really just find his spot in the summer, you know, for in a roster, you know, and maybe be that, you know, key bench minutes that, you know, can come in and contribute. You know, that kind of goes a lot right along with Stanley Mude, who averaged 6.6 points per game, you know, 61.5% from the field, 23.8% from the three-point line, 66.7% from the free-throw line, and averaged 4.6 rebounds in one block per game. I don't have a whole lot to say about either of them specifically other than um, you see improvements. I, I definitely think Audis Tony, if he can get NBA offense figured out, the uh, the effort on defense is obviously there. Five rebounds a game, two blocks a game. I mean, that's that's pretty good numbers right there, just kind of on defensive glass and on defense. Um, he definitely had a couple of highlight blocks that I even saw um, on some highlight pages. Um, so I, these guys have some room for improvement just around their offense. You know, I get that, and and the league is stacked, and it's tough to find your way. But wish them nothing but the best. I think there's these guys have enough talent to make it. They just kind of find the ways to develop where they have to in their each of their own aspects of their game. And I, I think you've definitely got four or five guys that we just talked about that are going to find themselves on NBA rosters over the next year, year and a half, and and find their way, if that makes sense. It's, there's a lot of talent coming out of U of A from a basketball standpoint that's getting into the NBA, and it's exciting to see that for sure. Yeah, and that's true. And so now we'll take a quick break here as we get back, as we get ready to talk some, you know, big surprising Arkansas softball news and some, you know, Arkansas baseball news as well. So we'll be right back with that news after this quick break. You know what I like? I like to be comfortable. I also love representing my favorite sports teams. And in the clutch, I am able to have the best of both worlds. In the Clutch Apparel is your one-stop shop for all things sports. They have officially licensed gear from all your favorite teams and players from the NHL, MLB, NFL, and more. They have sports classic tees from yesteryear and beyond. Check out their full website in the link down below. When you enter the promo code Variety Sports, you get 10% off everything site-wide. Feel comfortable with your sports apparel and go over to their website now at intheclutch.com. And don't forget to use our code Variety Sports to get 10% off. All right, we are back now and we'll touch on some Arkansas softball news as Arkansas got some, you know, two big announcements over the past week. You know, you know, first one being late last week, it was announced that Danielle Gibson, you know, you've heard that name last, you know, not last season, but the year before last, a big component to Arkansas's run, you know, to the super regionals, you know, was a grad assistant coach. GA at uh, Georgia last season, you know, made her return to Fayetteville with Georgia last year where they kind of did a little, you know, ceremony in a sense for her and, you know, giving her team ball signed with all the players and, you know, welcome her, her back to Fayetteville. Well, she's coming back to Fayetteville for good as she has been hired on as an assistant coach under coach Diefel, you know, you know, it's great to see a former player, you know, start to, you know, 
begin her coaching career and you know what better place to do it than the alma mater where you had a great career and you can learn under a really great coach such as coach Diefel. so you know I think this is a good hire for the hogs on bringing her back as an assistant coach yeah I think she'll bring a lot of uh relatability if that makes sense for the players kind of go to get some of her it's almost like just kind of having that veteran on your team that that can teach a lot of the young kids just from a player's perspective she's recent enough to really kind of feel where they're at um so i i agree with you definitely think it's a, a good hire from a fan's perspective they're going to be rooting for her um, just because of who she is and she was very impactful whenever she played for the hogs for sure she was critical in that run that we had um so it, it's it's going to be cool to have her back and kind of just see what she's able to to bring to the table as far as player development being able to kind of like I said be that almost veteran player but just in a coaching role yeah and then Arkansas softball also got a huge announcement today as Rylan Hedgecock, you know, you've heard that name several times last softball season, and she had a lot of big plays for Arkansas. Well, she's returning for another season in Arkansas. And if you remember, she hit 21 home runs this past season, which was one of the, at one point, leading the entire country in home runs, you know, and also finished the season with a 335 batting average, you know, adding in a 6.774 slugging percentage. You know, I think that's a big bat that Coach Dabble's got coming back for Arkansas, especially along with those transfers coming in that, you know, also, you know, have the big bat. So, you know, this could be a very explosive lineup that we're getting ready to see this next season for Arkansas. Yeah, I was excited to see that, too. We talked a ton about her during the season, man. It just seemed like game after game, she was always coming up with clutch home runs, um, big hits, big timely hits, and ton of RBIs. It just – she was phenomenal and just being able to keep her, which I think was slightly unexpected in some people's eyes. Um, it's just phenomenal, frankly. <laughs> and uh, like you said, I, I think the, the offense was good this year. I think they're, they've got potential to be way better next year, even, which is crazy to even think about, but um, man, there's, it's going to be hard to find a spot in that lineup where there's a hole. I mean, unreal yeah and so you know coach Daffel always making those moves you know getting you know adding you know talent to the coaching staff you know bringing back big bats and bringing in big bats you know it's going to be an exciting season I think there's going to be a lot of hype you know as you know we've made that push and maybe can finally get over that hump and get to Oklahoma City for you know women's softball world series so hopefully that that's the goal for me i mean that's goal every season but hopefully that's a we can get closer to that next season and so we'll jump over to the other diamond as we have some arkansas baseball news and you know the big news that was you know we talked before the show a little bit surprising here as zach morris we thought he was going to return to arkansas after not really getting drafted but he has decided and announced that he's entering the transfer portal late last week so He'll be finishing that kind of super senior season, you know, at another school. So, you know, you hate to see it because that's a veteran guy that could, you know, provide some leadership for this young talent we've got coming in. But, you know, we wish him the best. So, you know, what do you think of this news with Zach Morris entering the transfer portal? I was definitely surprised to see that. Um, just in my head, I almost would have thought if he'd have transferred last year, it would have made more sense in a way. 
after the year he had previously, I I don't know. It just it almost kind of seems like strange timing. I think he's probably seen the writing on the wall that he's just not going to get the playing time that he even got this year um, with some of the guys that are coming in and some of the guys that are returning. So I I guess I, I definitely don't blame him trying to go somewhere where he can actually get some playing time, um, get a little bit more exposure if possible, maybe up his draft stock or just finish things out somewhere a little bit more fun to get a little bit more playing time. I definitely get that. I'm most kind of surprised that it happened this year and not last year if it's if it was going to happen, if that makes sense. But, I mean, my, my thoughts there, I, I definitely think some of the guys that are coming in probably contribute to that, especially uh, a couple of the guys that, that signed out of the – excuse me, that didn't get drafted and are, are coming, um, that had potential to get drafted. So you've got some big freshmen coming in with a lot of guys returning. We had a couple transfers come in already. Uh, we commented about in previous episodes that I, I just think he's slowly seeing that maybe the the roster spot, he, he's not going to get much playing time. So I, I get it for him. I, I wish him the best wherever he goes. Yeah, very true. And so kind of on the flip side of that, we announced last week where Will McIntyre's are already made it known that he's going to be back next season. Well, shortly after we finished last week's episode, we got the news that Ben McLaughlin will be back as well. So he's a guy that you really saw, you know, get a lot of playing time and kind of in a sense break out when Wagner had his injury. We had to shift, you know, digs into playing in the outfield so you know that opened up a role in that designated hitter spot and you saw Ben McLaughlin step up he had some big clutch hits throughout the season you know and he's a guy that you know played a little bit of first last year I think is more of a natural first baseman from where he was at in junior college and you know where he's played previously so I think that's an opportunity we might see him replacing Brady Slavens at first base and you know who knows maybe that DH role, depending on what they do with Diggs and then playing him in the outfield. So it's good to see another guy back as, you know, more announcements will probably trickle in over the next few weeks as, you know, guys are deciding whether they're going to sign those contracts to play, you know, pro, you know, there's already a, a list of guys that have already signed deals with teams that, you know, for sure we know they're not coming back. You know, a few of those guys that, kind of hinted at they could come back. I know Hunter Holland, he signed a deal with the Reds. He's already, you know, kind of inked that paper. So he's he's going to be gone, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who else we have back. But, I, you know, I think that's a good get for Arkansas to have Ben McLaughlin returning. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I thought the games that he did play in where he did have some clutch hits, he really provided a little bit of spark just from an emotional standpoint, you know. Um, Obviously, you had a second baseman. Can't remember his name off the top of my head now. Horrible with names. Dovo. Peyton Holt. Nope. Yeah, Peyton Holt, whenever he came in, he was definitely a spark plug for us. But I thought Ben McLaughlin kind of had a little bit of that swagger mentality as well. Uh, maybe not to the level that Peyton did, but it was definitely fun to watch and got fired up in some games and, and definitely had, like you said, had some clutch hits for us, some big hits. It just – I thought he did a really good job the way he approached hitting in the SECs, considering it was his first year. So excited to have him back. Just a little bit more uh, veteran spots in that lineup. So it's definitely good to see some of these players coming back that there were a few questions around. So I'm excited about that for sure. Yeah, and so, you know, we mentioned, you know, still, you know, we're early in the middle of that dead period and, you know, Good to see these guys come back for Arkansas. This is the type of news we'll be bringing you until you know we get 
closer to fall camp and we get ever closer day by day to, you know, that glorious fall day once football season hits and we get to start, you know, cheering on KJ and the Hogs again. But, you know, as always, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You know, feel free to shoot us any questions, you know, suggestions you may have that you want to hear us talk about on the show. You know, we're always open for options here as we continue to grow the show. You know, and, you know, again, thank you for listening to today's episode of Woo Pick Weekly, and we'll catch you right back here next week.